0: Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Raya. I'm an automotive writer for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, The Weekly Driver. It's been online since 2004. My colleague and friend across the table here in Sacramento is Bruce Aldrich. And today we have on uh, Ashley Tilford, who is the managing editor of Quinn Street. Quinn Street recently uh, published... Uh, a release that uh, detailed all kinds of things about the insurance world and um, what's available. They did a, a compilation of all different stats and figures and analyses of insurance, and uh, was a nice presentation. So we thought we'd talk with Ashley today about the the wonderful world of uh, insurance. So, auto Ashley, insurance. Auto insurance. Thank you, Bruce. Welcome, Ashley, <laughs> to our podcast. Thanks all for right. being available. Can yeah, you? Yeah.
1: Thank you all for having me.
0: Sure. Could you give us a, an overview, Ashley, of this release that went out uh, a while back that discussed um, different areas of auto insurance, the comprehensive and drivers with speeding tickets and drivers with poor credit and drivers with accidents and students and retired people and low mileage drivers. So could you give us an overview of what this what this uh, last uh, release was all about for us? Absolutely. Uh, so what we did
1: for this, Uh, post was we compared rates from 35 different car insurance providers. Um, But before we did that, we created 11 different driver profiles. And we created these profiles because pretty much anybody listening or reading um, is either going to fit into one or more of those categories or someone on their policy probably will. So we wanted to take these driver profiles um, to really relate to, you know, the auto insurance consumers out there and provide them rates so that they can see, on average, what kind of rates should they uh, expect for whatever their driver profile is. So that was the main point of that article, and I can go into more detail on that um, if you'd like.
2: One of the things I saw with your um, release was the uh, the factors affecting rates and there's obvious ones like the amount of mileage you drive or the limits that you put on the deduct or the deductibles or the, your driving record but there's also a couple things like your credit history and marital status can you reflect on those two yeah points?
1: sure yeah so those are those are all the factors as you said that that do impact your uh, rate that a, a car insurance company is going to offer you specifically. So, you know, I, I compare credit scores to like high school GPAs or even college GPAs. You know, people tell us throughout that time, like, Oh, when you get out there in the real world, you know, your CPA isn't going to be that big of a deal. Nobody's going to care about that. Uh, in reality, you know, it's, it's how I landed my first job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> out of college credit scores are similar you know there's something that we can we can shove those under the rug and we can kind of ignore those for a long time but when they start affecting us and they do start affecting us that's when it becomes really apparent how important that is um so your credit score absolutely impacts what uh rates you're going to be offered you know I wrote down um, some notes here, so I wouldn't forget, but I don't have the actual percentage on what you should expect your rate it, percentage-wise to go up if you have poor credit, but there is a substantial difference between a person with good credit, and when we say good or poor credit, we're defining defining that the same way that the credit bureaus define that. Um, so absolutely, credit score, marital status, like this is, this is one that hit home for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I, I said to myself, "Why? Why am I going to get a higher rate because I'm unmarried?" Uh, but the reality with insurance companies is everything is about your risk profile, and it's not an opinion. It's not that they're sitting back uh, around the boardroom table deciding, like, "Okay, I think I think single people probably." are a little riskier. They're basing it on actual data. So I can argue with it all day long and say, well, this isn't true, but it's based on data. And they're saying, you know, in general, people that are married and to file fewer claims. And the fewer claims you file, the more or the less money the insurance companies have to pay out. Therefore, lower your rates are. No,
2: so if you, have, um, if you have bad credit history or... You're unmarried. You crash a lot, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Right. And there are some states back back to the back to the credit scores. You know, that's kind of a hot topic. There are some states: um, California, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey. You know, they uh, those states have banned credit-based insurance scores, and their reasoning is that you know they say that it acts. It absolutely magnifies the effects of systemic racism, and so we may expect to see more states follow in that path. But for right now, the majority of states are still using credit scores. I,
2: did, um, I, think, I, I think I saw that uh, California doesn't allow it. Credit credit right. history. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yes, that's. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of any of this at all. Actually, I. I think that um, I could see both sides of it. Numbers are numbers, and stats are stats. But there's some you know, truth to both sides of that that argument, I guess. Um, yes. I was going to step back a little bit, and, and I introduced you as being from Quinn Street, and could you uh, tell our listeners uh, what Quinn Street is and, and what it does in in general terms?
1: Yeah, so Quinn Street, you know, as a whole, is a, is a digital marketing company, and we have the sites that I'm responsible as a managing editor for, insurance.com insurance.com and insure.com this specific article is a car um article and that site unlike the other two sites that site focuses specifically on car insurance not home not life not health just auto
2: gotcha i saw uh i was on your car site and i they have a lot of analytics that you can go through that i mean a uh, a user can go through and like one of them the most expensive zip codes by state that i perused and so the cheapest one is a, a town called wesky in maine mm-hmm. they estimated the average is 1186 dollars a year for insurance the next one was manchester new hampshire $1,200 a year, and then you get down to the most expensive ones, New York, New York, $5,703 on average. Amazing. Detroit, Michigan, the number one, 6328 uh per year. And that's quite a difference just by where you yes, live. Huge.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is another factor in determining rates is location. And when people, uh, I think today people are so transient, you know, it feels like anyway that, you know, we're moving around more and we're relocating more. And that's one factor that a lot of people don't think to consider is how is that move and that relocation going to affect your rate? Uh, Is that pay raise that you're getting for the move, is it enough to offset uh, the increases in rates like auto insurance and home insurance? Um, As you mentioned, you know, those, that's a huge difference from, uh, Detroit to I forget that Maine the, the little town in Maine, um, that's that's a huge difference. And why is that? It's it's risk profile. It goes back to traffic. It goes back to uh, the number of accidents, the number of traffic violations, and all of that.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. I I saw that um, California was m- near the most expensive. And they put the most expensive in California was North Hollywood, which is down in Southern California, and it, it was three thousand seven sixty-seven. So that's kind of, kind of halfway, I guess, between the highest and the least expensive.
0: Right. It seems to me that um, car insurance is is like maybe it's a funny analogy, but nobody really wants to go to the dentist or the doctor, and nobody really wants to buy car insurance. We all know it's important; it's required, but. What what is that? If you have a thought on this, what is the stigma of? I have a new car. I have a used car. I have to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles. I have to get my insurance um, situated, and they're all going to lie to me. <laughs> they just they they want to give me this. They want to sell me this. But if I get in an accident or there's some damage, they're not going to pay for it. So what what do you think, Ashley? Is the stigma behind people? Not liking to go through the process of getting car insurance.
1: I think, uh, just my personal opinion on that is that anything that we perceive as required, yes, uh, is is sort of rebelled against. Like you tell me that I have to do something, and I automatically, like even if it's the best thing for me, there's just a little bit of that, you know, human nature there that says. Come on! Why do I have
0: to do this? Sure.
1: And if money, you know, is involved in that, when you when you tap into the bank account or you know the checkbook, whatever, um, it's it's even more personal. So there, and then there's also the stigma around. I'm paying for something that I don't use. You don't sure. need sure. it until you sure. need it, and then when you need it, you're. I was thinking about that this morning, thinking about this uh this, this call today, you know, it's like car insurance is like we're we do pay for it, yes, but man, when you get in an accident or or something terrible like that happens or you're sued as a result of an accident, you will be so thankful <laughs> for that car insurance. You bet. Yeah. So. <laughs> sure. The
2: insurance company will give you two thousand dollars for that ten thousand car you were driving. <laughs> you that, that's, that's the that's other that. side of the coin, yes. right? They don't pay anything.
1: Uh yeah. There's absolutely that, and and you know when people, you know, we we could talk about is a cheap policy always the best policy? Not necessarily. Uh, if you're if you're sticking with the major insurers in the country, then you know you're looking especially the ones we review, we're looking at the uh, claim satisfaction, you know, we're looking at their financial stability. So the chance of them not paying out a legitimate claim is probably pretty low. Uh, But, you know, people can get in with companies that maybe, maybe do, you know, do that to them. Um, And there's some recourse for that. And I won't get into the details on that, but in general, you know, if you have a legitimate claim and you're with a major insurer that is, uh has a good reputation for claims, you're you're going to
2: get covered. Sure. you got to make friends with your insurance commissioner, whatever state you live That's in. That's right. I used to work for the Department of Insurance years ago, so I was kind of involved with this and regulating the insurance companies and whatnot.
0: And uh, imagine that. We're still yeah, friends, Bruce. We're yeah. still
2: friends. I can't imagine that we're still it friends. It was an exciting to- <laughs> topic then and it's exciting now. <laughs>
0: Um, one, one of the one of the things you guys were stressing in, in the information you provided is the car insurance estimator tool. Um, so consumers can go on to the website and uh, you know mix and match and, and do all their estimating. What if I signed on right now? What what would I uh, expect to see? What would you like the consumer to know? That is it? Is it an easy navigation tool? Is it difficult? What's the best approach to yeah. the, the car insurance estimator? Is it, uh, is it painful? Is,
1: <laughs> it is not painful, um, and and you know I'm super picky about this this kind of thing. As far as what I will give my information to online, most people yes. uh, that are that are online are, are the same way, and so this tool is, you know, I'm I'm racking my brain to think of one I like better than the car insurance uh, estimator tool. It, it it's super it's super simple. Um, it requires none of your personal information. There's no strength attached there. Uh, you're putting in some just i think like three maybe four questions um that are very easy um I think the the hardest one for me to answer was was my age range so <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go other than that, you know you get to the end of that very, very quickly. I'd say less than a minute, and you are given. Um, three cost estimates. What you're going to get there is what you should expect if you're looking for state minimum coverage. That would be just the coverage that your particular state recommends as the minimum, which is going to be some form of liability. Um, Then they will uh, give you an estimate of what to expect for a standard liability-only policy and then a full coverage policy. So this is really going to give you a, a great starting point And, you know, some people say it's better to do your, um, you know, it's better to, like, review the average rates and all of that first. I say it's better to do the estimator first and then go into these driver profile rates that we've provided and see which ones you fit into so that you can see the difference there on, you know, what your basic rate would be without all the personal factors added in. And then more of what to expect, like, for example, if you have had an at accident that was, say, over 2000 and in damage, you can expect around 31% higher on average for your rate. Yikes. Now, our car insurance estimator is not going to factor that in. It's just giving you standard rates for your location and your life situation. So it gives you a great comparison there of what you should expect when you're out shopping.
2: I, I did that tool just playing around with it, and I believe one of the criteria was your location. So I played around with different mm-hmm. zip codes. As you say, depending on, I put in you know, different states and different areas that I was kind of interested in maybe possibly living in. And so it gives you a range, as you mentioned earlier, you know, is it going to be more expensive for insurance or less than you think or what you're paying now? That was, that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, so yeah, if you're doing, if you're relocating, uh, it's perfect for that. If you're working on your household budget and we'll, t- we can talk a little bit more about budgets here in a minute, but, um, insurance should be included in that. So if you're working on a budget, if you're shopping for a new car, um, you know, it's a good time to get an idea of what you should expect.
2: It's kind of like TurboTax when you're doing your taxes, another exciting <laughs> thing to talk about. <laughs> right, right. But you, yep. can, you, can, you can plug into TurboTax, uh, just like your estimator, different uh, scenarios. And so you can find out, you know, how it affects your taxes at the end of the year. Well, this one's giving you how much you can expect out of uh, the pay for car insurance. Yep.
1: And at the bottom, like under each question, it gives you a little bit of context behind why it's asking what it's asking. Um, so that you get a, a good understanding of why it matters. And uh, then after that, it, it will even often, you know, recommend additional content. So there's a lot of great information packed into that little easy, quick tool.
2: Another thing that I, I saw on the site was the vehicle types and, and pricing, average pricing. Vans and trucks were at the lower end, fourteen, sixteen hundred $1,600 a year. And then you go, the, the highest ones were convertibles and electric vehicles at $2,400 a year. So, you know, that's, what, 90% uh, increase? Uh, why electric <laughs> vehicles? Any idea? Do they... Uh, uh, ex- are... ex- go ahead.
1: Sorry about that. Uh, it's, it's the expense of the car and the repairs that, that are involved. So if that car is damaged... Um, you, you know, you've probably heard about, you know, repair shops and garages at one point having difficulty working on those types of vehicles because they didn't have parts at their disposal that were easy to get to. The parts were very expensive and, and that's true. So if you wreck that car and you have to follow a crane then that is money that has to be paid. So the value of the vehicle and the cost for repairs to that vehicle are factored into those rates. Um, you know. It, the, the size of the engine, how fast that vehicle will go. You know, the the more power a vehicle's got, the faster it will go. You can expect it to have higher rates that go with that.
2: Makes sense.
0: Okay. Um, Ashley, early in the conversation, we talked about marital status, and that was uh, an unfamiliar area to me. Is there another area or two? Are there another areas in which the public... May not be aware of that. That's common to you. If you are a person who may be retired and you only drive your car fifty miles a month, or if there's some other uh, criteria that the public might not be aware of, where they can save money on their insurance costs, that uh, that doesn't come readily to mind to to many of us.
1: Yeah, sure. So just specifically referencing, you know, people that maybe drive lower mileage. So, um, you know, you mentioned somebody that may be retired. Well, drivers, you know, they take a hit on their insurance, um, at a certain age as well. I think it's, uh, I think it's above 65, but I, I could have that, uh, I could have that wrong. Rates go up, you know, in a similar fashion as they do when you're insuring a teenage driver, not quite as high, but, the risk is there, the perceived risk is there with with senior drivers. So, you have already gotten an increase on your coverage, but maybe you realize, wait a minute, I'm paying for car insurance and I'm partly driving the vehicle. You know, Mm -hmm. I might go to the store a couple times a week or go out to eat. So, a lot of carriers these days do offer um, plans for low mileage drivers. So, it could be, you know, a discount for that, but it also could be a usage-based plan where it's essentially like a pay-as-you-go, a pay-per-mile plan, mm-hmm. where um, if you're driving under a certain number of miles uh, in, a, in that period of time, you will get a much cheaper rate. Um, the catch there would be if, you know, you, you decided you needed to do some traveling or something that was going to increase your mileage temporarily, or if you let someone... <laughs> Drive the car. (laughs) Um, It doesn't really matter who the driver is in that case. It's the number of miles that the car is is driving. Gotcha. So if you're a low mileage driver, and this has been especially true during the pandemic when a lot of people were working from home and suddenly not driving nearly as much.
0: Good point. Um, Yes.
1: Yeah, and and many of us. I'm one of them. You know, I I went into the pandemic as an in office worker driving and commuting in you know an hour round trip every day to working from home uh permanently and so you know there i had not changed to a usage-based plan but certainly could save some money doing so uh and may consider doing that
0: gotcha i'm looking through the information uh, on this story that was provided in another area and um Sometimes you see people with fancy titles and you don't quite know what they do, and this is not re- disrespectful to anybody, but I'm reading this um, area that says we could get insights from Cynthia Burleson, she's the director of the Center for Insurance and Risk Management at Central Arkansas University. What is that, and who is she? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so I, I cannot speak uh, a lot on, on Cynthia. Yes. Um, I did not speak with her. And I have not done any sort of research into her position.
0: Gotcha. Uh, that was
1: done by someone else. Sure. However, she uh, was definitely considered an expert in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would probably, I would probably not do her position justice by trying to explain it myself.
2: <laughs> uh, understood. Uh, here, Ashley. Here's something else you might not know. Um, do you know about the? Uh, what, what the insurance companies are doing about fraudulent claims, I, I think there's a National Fraud Bureau that's, that's, that uh, insurance companies pay into, if I'm not incorrect. Do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, I don't know a lot about it as far as, like, a, a, the Fraud Bureau. I do know that, you know, fraudulent claims are uh, a are significant factor in, in insurance companies raising rates. It's like if you have a year where accident claims are unusually high or I uh, don't remember what year it was here. But when I was a kid, there was a, a, a tornado that came through this area and held damaged a tremendous number of cars uh, and so, car lots. I mean, think about a car lot full of vehicles, yeah, sure, like sure. all these all these insurance claims. Um, they, they result in higher premiums for everybody. And fraud is no exception. I um, was just talking with somebody a few weeks ago about uh, da- using dash cams in your car. And one of the benefits of that was to uh, minimize fraud. You know, if you are a, a victim of a fraudulent claim, if somebody claims you did something that you didn't do in your vehicle, or your dash cam could even potentially witness someone else uh, an you know an accident that turns out to be fraudulent, you can you can kind of do your part to uh,
2: Turn report in the film. that to, yeah. to
1: show that footage absolutely and and try to counteract that. If enough people do that with dash cams, then potentially it can can reduce that. But um, fraud in insurance, I guess you know, it, it was something that until I got into this, I didn't I didn't think that much of, especially with. Auto insurance and home insurance but it is a it is certainly a factor
0: another area that what you guys have just both discussed is that with the increase in the number of safety features in cars for good or for bad sometimes it seems you know a car would have 60 items for that are listed as safety items and some of them might be counterintuitive and and maybe even cause more accidents i'm not sure but have in your experience have have the rates changed because of the increase of safety that's uh, emphasized in new cars,
1: yeah. So most most insurance companies are are offering discounts for safety features. Mm-hmm. So and and not to confuse things, because dash cams currently aren't considered a safety feature. But that's one of the disadvantages that that um, I addressed on dash cams was, you know, if you're <laughs> if you're Busy staring at your dash cam you're not paying attention to the road yes you can actually end up causing an accident and then lucky for you your dash cam caught it all and and can incriminate you so <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: not thought about that
1: yeah <laughs> yeah the the same can be true of uh you know well a lot of safety features these days so um automatic brakes you know that's that's a very positive uh, thing to have Anti staff things like that. I don't see those providing a lot of distraction for anybody. No. Uh, But but certainly there are things like like dash cams. Anything that takes your eyes off the road while you're driving increases your chance of needing to file a claim, especially on an at accident.
0: Great. Hey Ashley, that's you know we we discussed early on about the the nature of the topic of insurance isn't always. uh, easy exciting. to talk about or ex- exciting to talk about it, but, gee, really want to thank you for, for making it fun. Uh, I, I learned a lot, certainly, and um, so we want to thank you. We want to remind people that they can go to um, Quinn Street and get all kinds of information, and then this particular area, make sure to visit the uh, Car Insurance Estimator uh, and... Uh,
2: carinsurance.com,
0: Carinsurance.com. Right? Uh, Ashley, thanks so much for being our guest on the weekly driver podcast um you you guys came on board at the last minute to um, help us with our podcast so thank you very much for the for the time today on the phone appreciate it very much
1: yes
0: thank you all for having me okay thank you bye-bye